This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a big show, a real big shoe. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's special Dell Podference episode, let's dive behind the scenes and share the tech and ideas that go into the making of a podcast. Think this isn't a money topic? Well, how about systems, creativity, and technology? If you've ever thought about starting your own business or wondered how to think about your next steps, strap in for interviews from the people behind this little production. Plus, what does the future of work look like? Will it continue to be remote or will we shift back to in-office work after COVID? We'll discuss this and more during our headline segment. Later, I'll even do my part and share some Dell-themed trivia. And now, two guys who somehow tricked Dell into thinking they're a business. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Happy, very rare Tuesday episode to you. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and uh, also here, bright and early, I might add, to record a Tuesday show. It's Mr. OG. It's time and a half week. <laughs> it is. Well, I'm happy we get to be part of this uh, podference, and I'm with Doug, uh, a business, business podcast. Time for us to step it up, man. Business, B-I-D, N-E-Z. We got to brag to mom. Hey, Dell says that we're uh, part of this business podference, but very seriously, lots of great stuff on today's show. We're going to talk about how much technology plays a role in the making of our podcast and likewise, how much it's changed the world. We're going to do a headline on that. So you know what? Let's not front load this thing. Let's just get into it because we got a headline. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Today's headline comes to us from Inc. and is written by Marcel Schwantz's. The future of remote workplaces, three things you must have for better employee mental health. 
Uh, I know, OG, I've been reading a lot about how this whole pandemic changed, I don't know, changed everything for people that not used to working at home, suddenly working from home all the time. And by the way, not just working from home, but also find themselves working all the time. Well, that's the biggest problem with working from home is that you work nonstop. There's no difference between you know, your office and your kitchen table sometimes. <laughs> so you just go, huh. I'm working and I'm eating lunch and I'm working and I'm eating dinner and I'm working and I'm watching TV and I'm in bed. Oh, I just got to, I just got to do that one thing. And instead of it being five miles away at work or 40 minutes away at work, suddenly it's just over on the dining room table. Mm -hmm. I can get there today. Uh, Marcel writes the pandemic illuminated specific weaknesses in workplace culture that otherwise might've been overlooked. As we move ahead with vaccination rollouts and prepare for an entirely new world of work post-pandemic, one thing's clear, employee well-being will take center stage. Continuous political tension, racial injustice, and overall lack of human connection are taking a toll on mental health. As a result, organizational practices are being reprioritized to meet these needs. Uh, according to Bank of America's 2020 Workplace Benefits Report, 37% of employees feel there's a lot more their employers can do to support their overall well-being. Here are three of them. By the way, this is an area that you and I are uh, uniquely, uniquely is a strong word. I think there's a few other people who might be there. But, OG, you, you've been working from home for how long? How long has it been since you worked in an office? Well, uh, we moved to Texas seven years ago. And I've always I've had an office off and on, but most of the time has been from home. Yeah, it's... Uh, I've done a couple of the WeWork deals, you know, or, or yeah. you know, I have a place to go. Just for the free but, beer? <laughs> that's what it turned out to be. And also the pool table that they have there? You don't yeah, even meet don't clients. Have a pool table you just... mine, but, they, uh, but they had beer. And then they locked the beer up because too many people were <laughs> boozing it up. Because people were using the conference room for a 12-step program after work? Well, worse. They were, they were coming in after hours and having a party. Well, why and we if you got done. free beer there? Yeah. I mean, don't offer beer if you don't want people to use it. I think that's a lesson right there. Uh, me too, by the way. Uh, it has been a decade that I've worked from, quote, home or from mom's, mom's basement. Let's dive into these three, and I think you and I can add a couple more here. Number one, mitigate meeting overload, according to research by Harvard Business School, the pandemic drove a 13% increase in remote meetings and extended the average workday by 8.2%. Here's the thing. If you have a remote workplace of people working remotely, you have to have a system to know what people are doing because uh, boss's paranoia is usually OG that your people are doing nothing. And so we're going to have to have a meeting and then another meeting and then another meeting about the meeting to make sure that the first meeting went right and the second meeting was okay. Uh, and everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. The meetings about the meetings. Is that what we need to do? We have been a, we've been a remote workplace for the whole time that this uh, podcast has been around. At least the, what, five years that we've had uh, a team bigger than just you and I. And, uh, and, and we recently canceled a big chunk of our meetings because of the fact that they were pretty irrelevant because of technology. You yeah. could, kind of lean on your tech. 
and I wasn't at the meeting that you decided to cancel the meetings at. So then when I finally could go to the meeting, I was like, hey, where's the meeting? You're like, yeah, we canceled it. <laughs> like, was... oh, when did we cancel it? You're like, at the last meeting. Oh, I wasn't at that one. We know. Yeah. We were just going to see how long it took you to know that the meeting wasn't going on. OG shows up 10 minutes early for the meeting that isn't. Well, it was going to basically, it was an inside joke, right? It was going to see how long does it take him to notice that the meeting's not happening? Because that's how long he's not gone to the meeting, right? I think the thing that's really shown, however, is that productivity is through the roof. So, you know, there's people that probably a year and a half ago were bemoaning the fact of like, oh God, I got to have all my people work and they're never going to do anything. And now realize that they do do stuff and are like, oh crap, how do I, how do I get them to come back to the office where they're not productive, but they're productive at home, but it's slowly killing them. It's kind of a weird situation. Absolutely. Well, just, just imagine that. Um, and, and I remember this when I first started working from home because of the fact that everything is right there. You think, oh, I'll just take a few minutes and do this, do this one little thing. But, and this is a hack for us. You have to turn it off. You have to set a time and turn it off. So today we're recording this on Monday and uh, I will be turning this off after we record our roundtable episode, which we record on Monday for the Friday show. Which, which is in 15 hours from now because it's so <laughs> early. <laughs> well, and this, is, this is an exception. We're usually not recording at 6, it's now 6.44 a.m. We're usually recording uh, around 8 a.m. We'll, we'll record the podcast. Roll out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. But at that time, it's got to be done because I learned a long time ago that you couldn't do it. And uh, rely also, OG, on your technology for, for people. Instead of meetings, you know, I know that, I know that with Dell Technologies, they use Teams. Uh, we use Slack. Super easy for everybody to pass files back and forth. We also use Google Docs so that we can work together on our show scripts. And we use monday.com to bring the whole process together so that the second that one person finishes something, that we know that the ball's been handed off to the next person. So instead of relying on meetings, OG, we're relying now on technology to hand the ball to somebody else. And then everybody doesn't need to know all the time what everybody else is doing. And in fact, I, I think the most infuriating meetings that I hear that people have are when the boss is checking in with 20 people and making every single person be on the line for the entire call, wasting 19 people's time while they're talking to one. Don't have meeting with whole team. Okay. Uh, yeah. What you're talking about is using technology as a substitute for that. And there's so much that can happen if you create your process. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about process with money and process with tricking yourself by having money come out of your paycheck automatically and your bank account automatically. And but but you have to do that in advance. And the same thing is true when you're designing this stuff. You have to put the energy into it up front. Because if you don't, then you don't have the system, you don't have the process. You actually have to work probably twice as hard to put the system in place so that you can work a quarter of quarter as hard, 
a quarter, yeah, a quarter as hard. See, it's still early. Uh, on the backside, be so a quarter that, as you know, hard. The, yeah, be a quarter as hard. Uh, yeah, on the other side, so that um, you know, once, once the system's working. Some ways to think about your meetings, according to this piece, gauge the number of meetings employees have each week and determine if any can be eliminated. The meeting that OG was talking about earlier was a full team meeting. And it was just, it was a meeting that for a while we were using to write all our shows. We then created a meeting just with a couple key people to write shows, offloading that from having everybody have to be there. And the meetings actually became more productive and more creative when that meeting was smaller and over time, it just became a check-in meeting, and there was really no reason for it. We said we could check in once a month instead of once a week, and so uh, eliminated that meeting. Second, rework current team calendars by creating shorter weekly check-ins and larger bi-weekly catch-up meetings. Very much the same thing. We actually- inst- yeah, still have one-on-ones with the people that or groups that you need to have one-on-ones with. But to your point, you don't have to have everybody in and everybody else's one-on-one. And, and those one-on-one meetings became deeper dives now into what all of our individual people do. And what we also did during those meetings is we overlapped them. So later today, I'll have a meeting with Richie about the website, the show notes, and the stacker. Halfway through that meeting, Karen will join us, who's the show producer, and they will talk about upcoming shows and making sure that the stacker stuff and the show notes are written, uh, reflect the spirit of what's coming up on that show. And then Karen and I will meet the second half of her meeting to talk specifically about the guest lineup uh, uh, coming on the show. So we'll have two one-on-ones that become three of us in a meeting for half half of their meetings. And we do that in a couple different ways throughout the week. Next, test out new types of schedules. LaJoy explains that setting a monthly focus week is dedicated time for employees to complete their work is one way to mitigate meeting burnout in the remote world. We learned that early on, OG, when we were doing three shows a week that uh, we needed to figure out a way to make sure that the fire kept burning, which is why we created the Rewind Week. Uh, the Rewind Week lets us get caught up. And I don't know about you. I love podcasting, but that Rewind Week is awesome. Getting one week where we're not doing the same thing. And we just, I don't know. I feel like where we're at right now, just coming out of a Rewind Week, I feel fresh, ready for another eight weeks. Super excited. Well, it just gives you the opportunity to kind of reload. You know, and again, this is something that you and I talk about quite a bit in practice, which is in order to be creative, in order to have, you know, energy, you have to have had a lot of time off. And a lot of people think of it the other way, like I'll work really hard and then I get time off. And it's like, no, in order to work really hard, you need time off in advance. So yeah, I think um, you think of it as a marathon, you know, yeah. I feel like some of the podcasts that have come and gone, they, they feel like it's more of a sprint. And we've never had that, uh, that, that feeling looking at more, much more of the long view, uh, next evaluate hiring and onboarding practices. This is an issue too. A friend of ours daughter just went to work for one of the big consulting firms, OG, and, uh, the entire job was online. Imagine you're starting your first job and it's with a really big company and the whole job is online and there is no office to go into because you're in the middle of a pandemic. I thought about that actually, and how challenging that would be for for somebody starting their kind of first deal. Good luck. 
Well, and what they realized is that you ha- you had to have uh, what they call online buddies, which is also what they are talking about in this piece. One of the productivity gurus in this piece says it's more difficult to connect behind a screen. So we've reformed interviews to be less formal, asking more questions about who the person is and introducing teams casually over coffee. When new hires didn't know who to go to for certain issues, they made sure they have buddies to guide them through onboarding and structure full learning for where they can go for specific information, such as key HR contacts, team leads, company resources, even best local takeout spots. I think just to round this off, OG, this piece talks about something that I know I'm a product of this type of culture, a culture that really glorifies working long hours. Right. And this used to be long hours away from home, and your home was a place where you would go to get away from the long hours. But I think combining long hours with home is a huge mistake because you, you need to have that sanctuary. I also know here we have one area of the house that is my office, other areas of the house. Like when I go to the kitchen, I know it's break time. I don't take work into the kitchen. I also don't take uh, don't take work into my bedroom. That is nap time spot right there. <laughs> That's that is, nap time. <laughs> that is that is no work goes into goes into bedroom. And by the way, when I read, when people say that's where the magic happens, what you mean is that's where I get to take a nap. That's where I get to. That is the magic. Is that the magic? Yes. Right. But have pieces of your house that are those same sanctuaries, so you get away from it. Yeah. We'll link to this on our show notes page at uh, stackingbenjamins.com. But I think that all of us have to rethink the way that we're thinking about work. Now time for our special segment, how we make the show. And I know that many of you aren't going into podcasting. Most of you probably not going into podcasting, but I also know two things. We have a lot of people ask us, how does this operate behind the scenes? Number one. And number two, a lot of people wondering how we, how we make so many shows. And here it is. The making of the Stacking Benjamins podcast, the technology, the team, the conversations that turn mom's basement into a workplace machine. Here in the basement, every show starts with an idea. As you'll see, our ideas come from everywhere. But today, Joe's sitting at his computer, pulling up old radio episodes, looking for inspiration. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Old-time radio and podcasts share a ton of similarities. When I was growing up, you know, people get in their car and whatever was on the radio was usually what was played. It was passive. It's not the case with the podcast. Now we're flipping to our favorite shows like back then, and we're listening from the beginning to the end, or for a variety show like ours, listening to our favorite parts. And when it comes to money themes, also, it seems like times are different, but nothing's changed. Listen to this. This is Jack Benny, who is known as notoriously cheap, spurring out a fight between other people at a restaurant to pick up the check while ducking out of it himself. Well, everybody's finished. Uh, I'll get the check. Oh, no, no, Bob. I'll take the check. Well, Don, let me take it this time. 
Bob, I, I really think I ought to pay the check today. No, Don, I feel that I should. Well, I feel I should. Why are you so quiet, Dennis? You cheap or something? <laughs> huh? Gee, I was just going to ask you the same thing. Well, you fellas, you fellas settle the check. I'm going home. Me too. Jack Benny wasn't the only one talking about money and taxes and, frankly, how much it costs to live. How about the comedy duo of Burns and Allen? Uh, George Burns alluding to the fire movement and the comedy genius Gracie Allen explaining to us all how taxes work. Because the way the income tax is today... What do you know about income tax? What is income tax? Well... Yeah, what is it? The way it works is the government takes your salary... Yes... That's it. The government takes your salary. You said it. George, you don't have to invest all that $200,000. I've got $200,000? Who believes that? You know, I spend a few dollars. Who believes that? It cost me $50,000 a year to live. It isn't worth it. It is worth it. Who believes that? You know, times haven't changed as much as we think that they have. And sure, maybe these stories need polishing, updating, a little less mansplaining. But we're still wondering the same thoughts. We're still insecure about the same things. And I don't think that the comedy is just a release. I think the comedy in all of these is essential to telling our money stories. Before we visit the team... Worrying people about money has become big business, and most of us think we're doing it wrong. That's where Stacking Benjamins comes in. Based on the science of play, the team believes we're much more open to learning if we're having fun. This is confirmed by researchers like Dr. Bradley Klontz, behavioral psychologist and author of many books on finance, including his latest, Money Mammoth. So, for example, one of the studies we did... We took out all the financial education, all the boring stuff. And instead of that, we had people create really exciting visions of why they would want to save and invest to begin with. We didn't even talk about any of the details. And what we saw was a 73% increase in savings after spending about half an hour drawing pictures like crayons, scissors, tape, magazines, where people got a really clear picture of why they would be doing this and what they're passionate about. And they immediately just went home and did all the stuff that you've been trying to tell them to do for 10 years because they should do it. But we just harnessed that excitement and aimed it towards the goal. And we become unstoppable when we harness that emotional animal brain and point in the right direction. So how do we bring stories, humor, and relevant money discussions together? It all starts with technology. And a meeting on a Zoom-like video chat system called Whereby between Joe and show producer Karen Repine. They begin working five weeks before a show goes live. I'm Karen Repine, and my role is the producer for Stacking Benjamins. And I find and schedule interesting guests for the show and make sure that they're ready to rock the mic. Let's listen in to their meeting. Give that away. So, uh, where did it go? Their their giveaway thing, yeah. Right. So their C C O O Terry Williams wrote the book that this is kind of tied to, and then they're giving it away. All the um, 
submissions have to be in by June 30th. So kids have to either write an essay or do an art project um, by June 30th. And then they'll announce the winners at the end of uh, August. So I would assume that we want her to be on to talk about it. And it would be a fintech. Yeah. And so let's talk about scheduling that first. So record next week, the week of the 17th, next week, two weeks, two weeks. Right. Okay. A giveaway for urban youth. What my grand, what my granddad taught me about money. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Uh, your Mike Carruthers about the beer and what to drink. I liked that. I liked it that they said that that's balancing the risk. Um, and that kind of ties in with our money. You know, they said, really, science is saying no alcohol is better than drinking once a day. You know, the red glass of red wine, they're kind of going away from that. So, oh, so zero is best in one glass. Uh, see, I don't like that. I don't want, I, I like the one glass of red wine. <laughs> well, you're balancing your risks, Joe. Yes. What's so the- it's like stocks or bonds. Once we have a main guest for the show, Joe meets with the writing team. Head writer Taylor Stevens and Jordan Gromit, a.k.a. Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Scavenger Hunt Day, Aviation Maintenance Technician Day, International Tiara Day, WIT. Well, I shouldn't have a favorite meeting of the week. This is this is definitely it because any meeting I go into where we're giving ourselves permission to just riff bad ideas into better ideas is a meeting that I like and the collaboration, you know, because of technology. Taylor is in Arizona. Uh, Doc G is in Chicago. Of course, I'm in the basement. And even with the rest of our team, uh, Richie is in Virginia, Gertrude is in Michigan, Steve is in St. Louis, and Karen, who I talk to nonstop like she's sitting right next to me, uh, Karen is in Montana. So it's only because of technology that we can have a team like this. But, But this particular meeting, getting our riffing and dreaming and beginning the process. And then we have a second meeting later in the week where we're honing down the script and making it ready for Doug and for OG and I. Uh, it's a it's a really fun meeting. Hi, I'm Taylor Stevens, and I'm the show writer. I get together with with Joe and Doc G. We laugh way too much. We meet together a few times a week, and we put together a show that some of you probably like some of you probably not as much but we really like it and we have a really good time putting it together for all of you hey i'm doc g also known as jordan i'm part of the creative writing team and also the host of earn and invest i think the greatest part of what we do here on stacking benjamins when we are involved in the writing process is when we put our heads together to come up with ideas And the ideas we come up with together are always better than any of us would have had on our own. So it's creative and group writing, which I just think is the greatest part of the process. Writing the different rides and those kind of things. He has, yeah. 
Um, I can't remember if this was this episode, but he we had like a carnival in the backyard. I don't actually think that was for this. But one time he was putting a carnival together in the backyard. I know that that one was kind of funny, but there was the I'm I'm there was some Bob for Apple. I think that was I think that was for a holiday. I think that was for like Labor Day or something like that. But yeah. when the kid lost his teeth in the pool or something like that, or, <laughs> or lost his shoe in the pool or something like that, I mean, we could say like that was a hit when we did my carnival last time, and so we're trying to do it bigger and better. Or it could be something theme park related, like. Doug hasn't gone anywhere in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. And that gets back to the, the pathos of, of, you know, Doug is every man and his excitement about getting back to the theme parks. Um, I don't know the comedy angle there, but I like playing that up as, as Doug is kind of like the rest of us and can't wait to get back to life. I would say we can go that angle. Um, and I mean, if this is an interesting, I would say a funny angle, if he goes to an actual theme park could be something like, I don't know, maybe he wants to go, but unfortunately the El Camino is in the shop. So now he has to convince like someone in the basement to go with him. And he's convinced either Joe's mom, but he doesn't know how good he'll look on the back of the Harley or (laughs) maybe maybe Joe, but he does not want to go to California or Florida to go to Disney. So can he actually get Joe on board with going to like six flat anyways? Like there's maybe something we can do there, but um, carnival is good too. Maybe he's listening up closely to do reconnaissance for his con- for his carnival by going to these theme parks to make it bigger and better this year. Does that mean he can write it off the whole trip? <laughs> maybe. Yes. I mean, can, I mean if, if he says he can write it off, like he can even say, like, I don't really know what that means, but I'll figure it out later. <laughs> He's like, where do I write it off? Yeah, it free? Where am I writing it? Last time I wrote it off and threw it in the garbage and, and the IRS wasn't too happy with that. <laughs> That'd be funny. Like Monday we do write offs, Tuesday or Wednesday we do what the, like what the, what the rides are or the, or the, the, the events are going to the, going to maybe Wednesday is going to the theme park. And I like, I like this idea of he's got in his mind that since he's doing a carnival this year, again, for stacking Benjamins, he can write off his trip to the theme parks. So he's going to listen up really closely to decide which one to go to. And, you know, he can go into detail about where he's going to travel, where he's going to stay and how it's all going to be a write off because of the carnival. Yeah. And, and also, wouldn't it be funny? Like if he thinks that write off, you know, like a lot of people do when they start a business, they think write off equals free. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Oh, I just wrote it off. <laughs> like, like he, he, goes, he, he goes, he calls six flags for tickets. It says, I don't, I don't need money. I'm writing this off. Yeah. Or and that's a, that's another chance for him to do a voice. You know, he can be like, and then the Six Flags person said, well, that's going to be $500. And he's like, I know, I'm just going to write it off. No big deal. Yeah, but I'm writing it off. So why don't we just cut out the middleman and you don't charge me? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> then we all win. Now that the show creation is in motion, Joe works with Gertrude Smith, our social media coordinator and room mother, about the episode. Plus, they, more than any other two-person team, handle the day-to-day promotion and listener-facing activities around the show. 
I'm Gertrude Smith, Social Media and Community Manager for Stacking Benjamins, and I feel lucky enough that I get to play on the internet all day. Four is just weird, right? Let's either do it daily or, you know what I mean? Let's figure out a way to make it make sense. So I decided we'll make it a party week and have it be five episodes. Is it four rewinds and one new special episode? Five new episodes. Five new episodes. Not rewinds? No, next week is a regular week. Two weeks out is five episodes. Oh, I thought next week was rewind week. Next week is rewind week. And that's three episodes. Then the new the new eight weeks start and it's gonna be five weeks. Oh, I totally misunderstood that. I thought you were doing five episodes during Rewind Week. That was why I was so confused. Oh, I got to go reword how I wrote that in the basement. Yes. Because I worded it how I understood it. And finally, now that we know what we're promoting and how, Richie Rutter-Reese gets into the action. So I'm Richie Rutter-Reese, and I run the show notes page, website and the stacker guide Uh, for those of you who aren't signed up for it we release a guide the night before our monday and wednesday shows we have all of the info in there that you'll need we have extra content and link links stuff that you can't really get when you're listening to an audio only podcast so it's really helpful if you're ever listening and wondering you know, you want to learn more about something, or you're just not sure what to click or what to search. We we all, always try to include some extra goodies in there for people who subscribe. Did I say finally? Of course. Then the team needs to get involved to record. OG gets the script for Monday and Wednesday, and the roundtable team receives the script for Friday. store we could take a limousine because it costs more to eat craft dinner oh but we would still eat craft dinner of course we would we'd just eat more of it because it's awesome the fanciest ketchups with it mm-hmm. you ready to make this thing happen so motivated. Rock and roll. 96.7. The mix. And all the pieces, mine, Joe and OG, and any special interviews, all head to St. Louis, where Steve Stewart puts it all together. I'm Steve Stewart, and I put the polish on the Stacking Benjamin show. Tell everybody about the technology that you use to do that. Seriously? Like everybody wants to know about the tech? <laughs> well, it's a it's a Dell episode where we're talking about tech. I see. Okay. Well, I still use And now finally, Joe uploads the whole thing the night before the episode goes out to a place called Megaphone. The sponsor spots are added by some magic, and then you hear the final product. Megaphone was the thing that uh, stopped me for a year from podcasting because while I'd been listening to podcasts for a long time, I never could figure out how it got from this microphone to uh, your earbuds or to whatever you're listening on. I, I, 
could not figure that out and it seemed like it, that would be super complicated and it turned out that it was not complicated and it's funny because all the tech tools that we use just make it easier for us to talk we use slack you could use teams uh which is very like slack to to share files back and forth we use monday.com to track our production schedule and how shows are coming along we share google docs because as you heard our scripts are so collaborative and we have lots of different people editing in them from taylor to karen to me to richie to doug all in the same document so that works really well for us and then there's a bunch of recording equipment but no matter what you use if you're listening to this thinking about doing your own podcast it isn't about the equipment it's about those conversations and it's definitely the conversations that make this worthwhile And that's how we do it. The next time you listen to a show, you'll know that you're listening to a whole lot of technology, conversations, and systems at work to create just over an hour of audio three times a week. Stackers, I'm your pal, Joe's Bomb's neighbor, Doug. And since we're a part of Dell's Small Business Week, what better trivia than some Dell-themed trivia? Here's your question. What university was Michael Dell, the founder of Dell Technologies, attending when he started building computers? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can boot up your laptop. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, trivia fans, it's your favorite basement dweller, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Before the break, I asked you, what university was Michael Dell, the founder of Dell Technologies, attending when he started making computers? As a student, Dell started his computer business, uh, originally called PCs Limited, in 1984 with a thousand bucks in startup capital. By the second half of his freshman year, he was really slacking because he'd sold $80,000 worth of computers. Come on, Michael, try a little harder next time. But what university was he attending? If you said he was a hook'em horns at the University of Texas, Austin, you'd be correct. And the rest is history, as they say. That's a lot of cheddar for a college freshman. 
It's time for me to go rethink my life and why I let these yahoos tell me I'd make a lot of mozzarella here. See ya! We're going to do a little something different today, OG, since we're talking about small business planning. We're going to answer two, not one, but two questions for the show. Let's start off with this question from Josh. Say hi, Josh. Hey, Joe and OG. This is Josh. I'm an expat Louisiana Cajun here living in Central Texas. Um, I'm considering starting a small consulting business. Uh, What do you suggest for arranging financial accounts when you start a consulting business to keep business and personal just completely separate. Also, are there any apps that you would recommend to help keep track of business expenses? And then for that small time, just starting out entrepreneur, which consultants are really crucial to get with prior to beginning operations? Sizes and XL on the t-shirt. And I look forward to hearing my voice on the show. (laughs) See ya. Thank you, Josh. Lost in Texas, way across the Louisiana border. I like how he said he was a uh, expat. That's pretty funny. I did. I did too. So let, let's start off with organizing your finances as a consultant because Josh is on the right path here, OG. You want to keep everything separate from your personal stuff. It's going to make your life so much easier when you go to do your taxes or your accountant does does your taxes. It also makes it a little bit better from a reconciliation standpoint of actually how your business is doing. You know, if you're kind of throwing money in and taking money out and throwing money in and taking money out, you don't have a real fair sense of how the cash flow of the uh, operation is uh, to begin with. So uh, yeah, you want to keep things separate. I would, I would very quickly go get a business bank account. So you have to register your business. So you have to create the entity. You have to get the permission from the state government. Usually you have to file some papers, 50 bucks, hundred bucks, nothing to be able to do business in your state. And then uh, take that information to your bank or credit union and get a business account. So now you've got a place to put the money. You can usually put a debit card with that. So now you've got places to take money from. You might have to start the business with some seed capital. So you say, well, I'm going to put 5,000 in to kind of kick off the whole business. That's where you would put that. And any sort of revenue that you get or expenses that you that you have, you can take from that account. If you want to kind of go the next level and have a business charge card or something like that, if you think, hey, I'm going to be traveling a lot or whatever, you know, you need a the business set up, you need the bank account information, and now you can go get a business credit card. But again, you got to be real careful about commingling your business and personal stuff because sometimes there'll be money in one place and not money in the other. You're like, hey, I just got that check from my customer that's sitting in my business account, but my mortgage is due tomorrow. So I'll just pay it from my business account and I'll reimburse myself later or whatever. And it just gets really sloppy. So don't do that. And if for some reason you end up audited, Josh, there is a much greater chance that the IRS is going to believe you if you've always had a separation of your personal stuff and your business things right. proving that this was a business expense. If yep. you say, well, no, no, this, this highlighted one and this highlighted one, and this highlighted one, those are business, but the rest of them are not. Uh, yeah, I went to Walmart this time and I bought business stuff and I went to Walmart this other time and I bought personal stuff. It just, it gets, it gets very, very difficult. Yep. As far as like keeping track of it, I think um, 
any business program, QuickBooks, or there's lots of different variations of that. I use QuickBooks for our business and they've got an online platform. You can bill right from that. You can collect right from that. You can reconcile your bank accounts right from that. It's pretty inexpensive. I don't know how much, maybe 40 or $50 a month or something for their, you know, their online version. But, um, but having some sort of record keeping, even if it's, you know, old school, in a ledger book is is perfectly acceptable if 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 you're just getting started. You don't have to go out and you know, kind of the second point of your question, which is what are the what are the people I need to have around me? Do you need to go hire a lawyer right out the gate? Eh, probably not. Do you need to go get a couple of CPAs on retainer right away? Eh, probably not. Might you need that in a year from now? Maybe. But you'll save yourself a lot of time and energy if you do what you're doing or what you're thinking about doing, which is setting it up correctly from the front end. And the key time when it comes to working with that CPA, I don't think is around tax time. I think it's tax planning time, which is generally October through the end of the year. I would definitely schedule a meeting for late September, early October to meet with a CPA and ask, okay, how do I make sure that all of this business stuff is correct so that as I flow into the end of the year, I've got my retirement account the way I want it. I've got my my books the way that I want them. Everything's all ready to go. Yep. Agreed. A couple other things I like for business flow, since this is a uh, technology episode, we obviously use monday.com here. I, I definitely like that. You should have a place where you keep all of your files. We use Google Drive. You could use Dropbox. I also like, and I think this is an important one, OG, is a scanning app. You know, my uh, ScanSnap app where I can quickly put all my receipts in one place. Really, really helpful. Super helpful. But again, you don't have to go buy a $400 scanner just using your phone, you know, and taking taking pictures of it and filing, keeping track of the, 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 the pictures in your phone correctly, organizing them would be satisfactory as well. Thanks for the question, Josh. Because it's a special episode, OG, we got another one. This one comes from Tyson. Hey, Joe and OG, this is Tyson. I was curious, how in a small business do we best file paperwork? Should we have a huge filing cabinet or store all that paperwork? Or is there some kind of program that can scan and file all that paperwork? that we need to keep track of. What do you guys use? Thanks. Oh, and I'm extra large. <laughs> I love how everybody just leaves their, leaves their shirt size. Nice job. And uh, as Josh and Tyson already know, Gertrude's just going to send you a code, but Hey, brag about the fact you're an extra large, all that you'd like. Oh, gee, I mentioned earlier, ScanSap as a program, either using Drive or Dropbox, anything else with regard to keeping files? I think either of those are fine. You know, uh, I think the biggest thing as I look around my desk right now, which is, you know, my half of the basement is a little more disorganized than your half of the basement. And I'm a, I'm a paper stacker. Sometimes people stack Benjamins, but, but I stack paper. And it, 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 what I mean by that is if you don't stay on top of it, then you have like a week of like, oh, crap, I got to deal with all this. And you were talking about with Josh's question about, you know, when do I get with the CPA in October? Guess when you're going to think like, oh, crap, I need to file all this stuff. You're going to think about it like April 13th and your CPA is like, 
dude, I'm waiting on all the stuff. You're like, oh, hold on. I got it here somewhere. You know, so whatever system you use, you have to build it into your normal kind of everyday workflow or every week workflow. Otherwise, you end up looking like OG's desk with a pile of stuff that's like, yeah, I'll get to that when I get to it. A great technique to do what OG's talking about is this concept of buffer days and uh, focus days. We use, uh, and, and this comes from the consultants that both OG and I work with at Strategic Coach. Uh, having a buffer day where you're dealing with that and you have a set time that you don't violate really helps you stay on top of it. And yeah. my problem, OG, is that when it comes to some of that paperwork stuff, I get in trouble when I violate that time, when I don't take care of it on a buffer day. Buffer day is super important to make sure that the focus days go according to plan. Well, that's the key is that you have to have, you have to have cleanup days and you have to have time where you're you know, out there making money or in our case, making shows. So the days that we make shows, we make shows. The days that we don't make shows, we've got to get ready for making the show or clean up the show that we just made, which is probably more of the day. Because it goes, the show goes way better if we have all the ducks in a row. That's so, right. uh, and if we can keep the momentum up. Thanks for the question, uh, Tyson. Great to hear from you. Great to hear from you as well, Josh. Thanks everybody who participated in today's episode. If you've got a question for us, by the way, a financial planning question, business question, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And we're happy to answer your question as well. Get people started in the world of small business. And there you have it, OG. That's it. That's how we do it. Easy peasy. We just get out a couple of microphones and start yapping. By the way, before I started listening to podcasts, that's what I thought happened. Yeah. And then I heard- That's not what happens. <laughs> well, you just heard it. And then I heard that the uh, these other podcasters talking about for every hour on the microphone, it takes two hours outside the microphone to make the episode. And I thought, who would do that? And then, of course, two years later, you and I started doing that. And oh, what fun it's been. I think people can see now. That's why you don't go into podcasting for the money. Well, except for this week. Time and a half. <laughs> Time and a half. That's right. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us on a rare Tuesday. Tomorrow, we're going to dive into credit unions and how credit unions Ooh. work. Yes. Big fan. Credit unions offer some different things than banks do. And so we're going to dive into that. Like people to talk to. <laughs> actual actual craziness. You get to be a member instead you of- you can email when you have questions. Instead of just a number. Yeah. What's up with that? So we're going to talk about credit unions tomorrow, more fun Thursday and Friday on our special back to work week. Got a few people to thank. Uh, well, thanks to our old, whole team for pitching in to make today's show go. Also, thanks to you for spending time with us. And thanks to the people that have left us reviews. And mom has this one on the fridge today from Khaki's Daddy. Five stars. Great show. I just subscribed. Welcome, Khaki's Daddy. We've been waiting for you, by the way. Khaki's Daddy said, I just subscribed and have caught a couple shows. Great show. Great content. Thanks for the work, guys. And a couple shows he got that. Nice job. It takes me a few episodes to get into any show. Yep, I agree. And I know our, our friend Dave Jackson, who's a Hall of Fame podcaster, says that. If you're trying out a new show, give it two or three episodes before you decide. And I know that that is... Uh, kind of a struggle for people listening to us shows a little different than people yelling at people about their money. Skosh. And speaking 
of people yelling at you about your money. If you'd like OG and his team to yell at you about your money, is that is that is that good? We don't really yell. We might cajole. want to nudge somebody to nudge you to better financial decisions in 2021 than you made in 2020. OG and his team are taking clients. So we talk about surrounding yourself with a good team like we have here in the basement. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG for more. That's their calendar on how you can interface with them to make better money decisions. All right. That's going to do it for today. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Doug, take it home, my friend. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, technology. It's a starting point. The right tech that facilitates the right conversations and creativity is really where the answer lies. Second, a podcast? Well, it's a little more involved to make one than you might have thought. With a lot of moving parts, having a good system to keep the flow going is essential. But the big lesson? Don't mistake making mozzarella like these guys told me I'd make here with making cheddar like Michael Dell. Seriously. There's a huge difference. Trust me. Thanks to our whole team for making this special episode happen. Show producer, Karen Rapine. Writer, Taylor Stevens. Writing and creative collaboration, Jordan Gromit. Social media and room mom, Gertrude Smith and Tina Eichenberg, who unfortunately couldn't appear on today's episode. Website, blog, and stacker emails, Richie Rutter-Reese. Engineering by the amazing Steve Stewart. And the best part, me, Doug, playing the part of Joe's mom's neighbor Doug. You're welcome. You know, I'm, I'm sure most of you are wondering how I really created this incredible character of Neighbor Doug. It, it's just such a stretch from my normal personality. I mean, this, this middle-aged guy who's got a mysterious past, clearly a few miles under his feet, been around the block a few times, had a lot of very successful business ventures. Like, how could I possibly create this, this Neighbor Doug character? Well, it's a stretch. So what I have to do, Joe sends me the scripts. And, uh, you know, I read through them sometimes. Uh, Usually I just try to record right off the bat without even reading through them and see what surprises me. And sometimes that makes me laugh. uh, And you hear that in the script. Other times I've got to read through them and kind of edit a little bit and 
put a little bit of my own special sauce in there to really bring neighbor Doug, you know, to the surface because it's what my fans, you guys, really want to hear is all the down hominess and good humor that that Doug brings to the podcast. So, like I said, sometimes I just try to read him in the first take and I get surprised by stuff as I'm reading it and you hear that laughter and humor come out. And other times I got to read through things and make sure I understand where Joe and the writing team are trying to go with the script. But uh, that's that's kind of about it. I mean, it's it's pretty much the heaviest lifting on the podcast. And you can hear that in the quality that comes out in my work, I'm sure. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. Of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.